0: Welcome you back, weekend warriors. Warrior. We gotta shut the music off. I may want two sound bites to play to Professor Wallace, but I am joined now. I'm so excited to be able to talk to someone I admire and respect so much, the great Professor William E. Wallace. Professor Wallace, thanks so much for
1: getting up early to be with us. Well, thank you very much for having me.
0: Uh, I'm so excited. So My journey, and it's possible we could have been sitting next to each other at V&Ts in New York City, because in 1978, I took a course on Michelangelo with Howard Hibbert, and I know how much he means to you. And in 1979, when I graduated from Columbia, I did a senior thesis on Vesalius and his text with David Roseanne, two people that are important in your own life. So I want to ask you, Michelangelo's life really teaches, if we pay attention, he teaches us about our own lives. What is the meaning of Michelangelo to you, Professor Wallace?
1: Well, that's a wonderful question. Um, I think one of the great things that I've really learned from it is a dedication, um, a dedication to what you believe in. If it's a sports idol, if it's whatever profession you take up, take it up and do it The best you possibly can. And Michelangelo did that for 89 years. He lived twice as long as anybody else in the Renaissance. And Mm -hmm. for 75 years, he had a career, and he believed in it and never gave it up. Wow.
0: I've always, I
1: just saved up
0: all these questions my whole life. I just cannot wait to ask you these things. So of the many pietas, pieta meaning pity, a mother losing their son, whether you are religious or not, it's just a topic he was obsessed with and fascinated by. So one of the greatest sculptures ever made, at age 23, the Pieta in the Vatican, where Mary is holding her son, Jesus, who has passed. He's, she's giving him to the world. He's an adult. Compare that to when he does a Pieta sculpture of Mary holding her son as a baby. I'm a sculptor. What I pay attention to is the Vatican Pieta where he's an adult, he rotates the mother's head to look away and her eyes are closed. When, the, when the Jesus is a baby, he rotates her head towards Jesus and her eyes are open. There's a complexity to the emotion of losing your son and he's actually showing us in his own way the different complexity of losing an adult son versus a child a baby am i overthinking this what are your thoughts
1: no i don't think you are at all i think you're very sensitive to it and it's remarkable that michelangelo was as sensitive given that first of all he lost his mother when he was six years old and he never married himself so the fact that he had sensitivity to these kinds of Uh, emotions is really quite remarkable and the fact that you still feel those emotions 500 years later is really quite wonderful
0: Uh, one of the things that makes Bob Dylan who pretty much can't sing Louis Armstrong who also God bless him with the truck can't sing but yet when those two folks sing they're the greatest of singers because of their emotion with those awful voices it's because of the electricity that they provide. And when we look at the Sistine Chapel, when I look at the Sistine Chapel, the fact that the beginning of life is God almost touching Adam's finger. He's not touching, he's almost, tu- it's electric. Am I again overreading this in terms of being an artist who could actually provide electricity?
1: No, that's, that's, a ni- that's a nice way to think about it, because I would say then the great singers, Raphael and Leonardo, they're the ones who sing ballads. But, you know, Ra- Michelangelo is the one who gives us electricity and puts a charge through the body. Mm, unbelievable.
0: I want to play a soundbite for you, if you don't mind, because your book called Michelangelo, God's, God's Architect I, I, I used a yellow highlighter, Professor Wallace, and it seems like I just yellowed the entire book because every part of it was fantastic. But one of the things that I'd love you to talk about is here's a guy 500 years ago who didn't just have one while he's still alive biography written about him, but two, one that someone else wrote and one that he decided to write himself. So Steve Paulette, let's play Priscilla Presley, Tom Snyder, number one following his death what did you make of all the i'm going to say the word opportunists who were quick to write books quick to put out pirated record albums posters other bits of memorabilia to make a fast buck what did that do to you and how did you feel about
1: that uh, i think that was the hardest thing in the world to deal with people who were friends for so many years that you confided in people in fact it goes on today you know these people who you do trust uh... to turn around and to do something like that, it's, it's a low blow. It was a low blow for him.
0: So tell us about Vasari trying to write a book about Michelangelo and actually he didn't like it and kind of forced to write his own book. Elvis felt that way, the greatest. Michelangelo must have felt that way. What's your thoughts about those two biographies about Michelangelo?
1: Well, I don't think it was quite as exploitive as what happened to Elvis. I think the biography that was written about Michelangelo, yes, He didn't quite like it, but only because it emphasized certain things about how great he was, et cetera, et cetera. At the time when he was still fighting with, you know, building St. Peter's and things were unfinished, et cetera. And what was important to Michelangelo at that time was the fact that, you know, he was born an aristocrat, that he really had achieved things in life other than just being an artist. He had become a very successful man of the world, and that was the story he wanted to tell. So I, I don't think he was uh, as opposed to Vasari's life, really, as you know, someone like the exploitive lives that were written about Elvis or the ones that are going to mm-hmm. be written about Bob Dylan.
0: <laughs> right.